Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we are ringing in the new year by talking about a couple games we've been playing lately and talking about our top 10 anticipated board games for the year 2024. Thanks for joining us as we seek to promote community through board gaming. This is episode 156. Residents of Meeple Town, Happy New Year. We hope you had an amazing Merry Christmas and holiday season and a good start to your new year. Happy 2024. Dean, did you have a great holiday season and a good New Year's <laughs> celebration? Amazing. Uh, the best. Let me that tell is, you. That is so good. What was your favorite part? Well, you know, the uh, family time, the uh, cookies. I ate lots of good cookies. <laughs> Probably, probably that will happen. <laughs> what about you? Oh, just the best. It was amazing. Um, you know, like you said, the people and the the cookies. How was your trip yeah. to uh, Nashville? <laughs> I, I think I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> Resident, this is super weird because uh, we're this episode is releasing on January third. This is a few days after the new year, and but we are recording this like December eighteenth. So we're several weeks away. Uh, just to give you a little peek behind the the curtain of the 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 what what is this that we do? The podcast magic that that happens here. This feels super weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is probably what it's like for most normal podcasters. I would think, you know, they're they're on it and they don't have to give a peek behind the screen because they're they're professionals and they know what they're doing. For us, we've never been this far ahead. We're just trying to make sure that we. Um, are are prepared for what's about to come. Darren's going to be doing a little traveling over the holidays. Uh, some stuff going on at the beginning of the year, which will prevent us from being able to record. So yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to be on it to make sure you don't miss all the Meeple Town goodness, because we know that you'd be very upset if you didn't get to hear Meeple Town every week. And well, in fact, you didn't get to hear us last week. So this is the first one you've heard in a couple weeks. So we're going to assume that we received many angry emails and, and messages because you didn't have a Meeple Town podcast episode in your podcast feed. So for that, in, a, in the advanced future, we are sorry for that retroactively. What about the past future? <laughs> you know, I got nothing. No, no past future. So, but I will. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> past future ever. Darren here. Past future Darren has probably played some games, Dean. So I was just going to ask you what what games you maybe have been playing or, or hope to have played here in the last few weeks. Well, that's the funny thing. So we're, we'll be a little bit behind on talking about our Christmas plays. That's exactly what I was just going to say. That I, I'm hoping to get a lot of really good plays. We've got some family time events coming up. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, to talking about those. But we might have to retroactively talk about some Christmas plays that we had in like the middle of January. But, you know, it is what it is, and it'll prepare you for next year. So you'll be a year ahead of things, whereas we're just a couple weeks ahead. But before Christmas, I did get to play a series of games. Let me let me go down this rabbit hole with you. You want I'm going to take you down a rabbit hole. How about that? You ready to go I'm, down a rabbit hole? I'm scared. <laughs> it's so dark and cold. <laughs> All right. So I recently got to play, back in Thanksgiving, I got to play... Super Mega Lucky Box, which is a game that I have played uh, a decent amount 
uh, over the past year, and but I introduced it to some in-laws. Well, since then, and you've heard me talk about it, but it's a, it's a flip and write game. There is uh, three games in Phil Walker Harding's flip and write trilogy, that being one of them, Silver and Gold. Well, I don't know if it's a trilogy now. We'll just say anthology because the Silver and Gold got a uh, standalone expansion, Silver and Gold Pyramids, which I've not played yet. But the other game of that one is Explorers. This one came out in 2021 that I had not played until recently, and that's what I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to go down another rabbit hole after I talk about this one. So this game, you each player has their own board that has these little pop-up cardboard pieces. Everything that you have on your board and on your little tiles that go into your board are all glossy so that you can write on with a with a dry erase marker. Uh, preferably, preferably not a permanent marker because then you will have to buy another copy of the game. But you've got these little square tiles, four of them that are going to go into your board. Now, Darren, what I put in my board is going to be uh, randomized, and then you're going to put in your board the exact same setup that I had in mine. And that makes it pretty interesting, I think, that we're having the same setup. We'll have these different um, objectives that we could play with. We have these other little tiles that go into our board that will be, uh, they'll change up the rules a little bit. So you've got symbols on the board like fish and carrots and apples. In the original game, they're going to give you points for getting sets of three of those, but you can flip the tile over and play with different rules. So there's lots of different ways to change this up. Basically, what you're going to do is you're going to flip over these tiles and it's going to have these different terrain um, symbols on there. And that determines what you're going to cross off on your board. So me as the first player, the active player, I'll cross off three of one of those that I pick. And then you, if you pick the same one, you can only mark off two or you can take the other terrain that's listed on there. There's always two terrain symbols on there. And then you can mark off three if you go that route. And it all has to connect to previous X's that you've had on your board. And that's the gist of the game. As you're crossing off more things, more uh, point opportunities are going to arise. And there's lots of different symbols that as you cross them off, uh, cool things will happen. But basically, you're trying to get the most points. You might get a key. And once you have a key, then you can go to the uh, temple, I think it is, and unlock the temple and get points that way. And that is the gist of the game. You Have you played any of these, Darren? Any of the Phil Walker-Harding flipping rights? I've played Silver and Gold, and my family likes that one probably more than I do, but but, but I like it fine. I, I'm always intrigued by something that, you know, lets me try to place some type of polyomino type shape, whether I'm writing it or or placing it as a tile form. Uh, those, I always think of these games, but they do in, intrigue me. The, the pyramids yeah. one I'd heard about, and that one sounds, you know, interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to play it. So, so have you, have you played this one solo? I see that it has a solo version. Yes. Yes. I have okay. played it solo too, which is pretty much the same game. You're flipping over a tile and the way that the symbols um, show up in front of you, you, you choose one that gives you two X's or one that gives you three X's. It's real simple. And then you're trying to get the, the high score. And there's a couple other rules with, crossing off at the beginning of the rounds you play through four rounds of this but you cross off um the next highest temple point scoring thing and that's basically it but here's what it did for me darren it made me think by the way if, if you're saying hey dean what are your favorites what rank rank those well i'm glad you asked darren because i will do that i think explorers is my favorite 
Super Mega Lucky Box and Silver and Gold are really close. I put them pretty equal with each other, um, depending on the group I'm playing with. I might give the slight nod to Silver and Gold, but if I'm playing with certain groups, I might prefer to teach Super Mega Lucky Box, even though both are really similar and simple. But here's what Explorers did for me. It made me think, wow, I really want to play Drawn to Adventure which is a game that came out the Mm. same year. And this is by local designer, local here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Keith Pickett. And so I initially played this game with him as as the uh, prototype years ago, uh, a couple years before it released, I think, and uh, enjoyed it. But then I picked up the final copy of this. And so I played that recently. I, it's tough. So they, it's funny, they came out the same year and they do play pretty similarly. Drawn to Adventure is a roll and write and you draft dice to um, determine what you're, you know, what you're, what you're going to X off on your tile. But it's also got a little bit of a campaign element. So once I make it through one map, then we go to another map and then another map. But there's, I think, six different maps and you only play three of those every time. So that changes up um, from, from game to game. The big complaint from this one for this one, I remember Dice Tower, Tom did a, a review of this. His big complaint was the time of it. It takes about an hour and a half to play through the entire game. But if you break it up into playing the different maps, then you play those maps in about 30 minutes and you don't have to play the next map until next time you play. So you can just play it now and then jump in and play another map later or whatever. And so I never really understood that complaint as much because it is a roll and write game that can take 90 minutes if you play through all three scenarios at one time. But I might prefer Drawn to Adventure to Explorers, even though they're different games, they have similar feels. One's a flip and write, one's a roll and write, but they're both kind of going adventure You have to cross off things. But Drawn to Adventure, I think you have a little bit more, there's more decisions to be made in that. And I like that. So I think if you really like Explorers, you might consider getting drawn to Adventure as a as a follow-up, maybe a little bit of a heavier, thinkier game. But not, I mean, they're not crazy heavy or thinky. I think the the weight on Drawn to Adventure is listed as a 2.09 and Explorers is a 1.86. I'd probably give, I'd, I don't know. I think there's a little bit more of a separation there, but it's not crazy heavier than the other. No, that that's, seems interesting. That's my two cents. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I don't have two cents. Um, my pockets are empty. The, I, the flipping war, the flipping rights and the, the rolling rights right now aren't necessarily calling my name. These do look interesting. I remember when both of these first came out, you know, as you're talking about drawn to adventure and, and explorers. Um, yeah, I think these would be, I can see how these are fun. I'd be willing to to give these a shot. So you're saying, Ooh, hang on one second. I just realized on drawn to adventure, the art is by the Micho. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. It just, looks beautiful. It, it yeah. came out with, um, I think they bundled it with another, this is the final frontiers, uh, final mm-hmm. frontier games. I think it came out with uh, merchants cove. I don't remember if it was part of the same Kickstarter, but it uses the same meeples from merchants cove. And uh, the artwork is the same characters and things like that. So some of that was a little bit recycled, which I like when companies do that because it it is its own game, completely different than Merchant's Cove, but it does give you some of the same feel of of the look of it. 
So in, in the midst of all this, you talked about three or four different types of games. Um, where would you where would you place them? I'm assuming I know where you're placing them on our scale of pass, play, or purchase um, when it comes to these. You mentioned about three or four. Where would you? Yeah, how I would you have, recommend them to people? I have all of these, and I probably will pick up. I will pick up silver and gold, the pyramid version. I would say. Go with pick up silver and gold. You can get it for like seven dollars. It's been on sale for seven dollars on Amazon, and it's frequently on sale for about that. So, for me, that's a no brainer. You do you need silver and gold and super mega lucky box? Probably not. The average person probably doesn't. But I I kind of like having both of them because again, I teach them to different groups, and explorers is more of its own thing. So I would say get silver and gold. That's a buy. Super mega lucky box might be a play. And then if you like one or both of those, then I would say Explorers is a buy because it's my favorite of those. And then try Drawn to Adventure. If if you really like Explorers, I think that's a good next step up from that. Is it a buy? I, it's 20 bucks too. I mean, all these are pretty reasonable games. I think it was like $23 on Amazon or something like that for Drawn to Adventure. So I, yep, that, that's my two cents, but I have all of them. So I don't know if that helps at all. Uh, sounds like fun games. I have also been playing some games that were inspired by something else. You were talking about drawn to adventure being inspired to want to play that by, by explorers. But one of the games I played this weekend that I finally got to the table is the 2022 uh, classic. I would say it's not a classic. I'm just joking. Nemesis lockdown. Um, this is the big, you know, big monster game, no pun intended. Um, lots of boxes, lots of lots of miniatures and, and various things that was designed by Adam Kapinski and published by Awakened Realms. This is the second game in that trilogy, uh, in the Nemesis trilogy. And the reason why I finally got this one to the table was the first time I ever played it. Uh, this was inspired by the recent GameFound campaign that just wrapped up for the third installment in the trilogy, Nemesis Retaliation, that we mentioned a few uh, episodes ago. It's a lot. <laughs> I, again, I don't know if you paid attention to that. When we talked about it, and w- when we mentioned it, it was like at 27,000 backers and around $7 million. It wrapped up at 41,000 backers and over $12 million, making it one of the wow. biggest crowdfunded board games ever the biggest campaign period of 2023 and the biggest ever game found campaign 12 million. I mean, Gloomhaven, I'm sorry, Frosthaven made almost 13, like 12.8, 12.9. This made like 12.1. That is That's- insane. I wonder, Darren, I, you might not know this and you don't have to look it up, but I wonder how many backers 40 plus thousand backers is insane. That's the number that really strikes me. The, the money number is a lot, but that's a lot of people. A lot that of people. Lot. And so again, you think Gloomhaven had 85,000 backers and made 13, I'm sorry, Whoa. Frosthaven. I keep saying that. Frosthaven made 13 million with 85,000 backers. This wow. one made 12 million with 47,000. Or 41, just I'm sorry. That's unreal. Crazy. That is nutso. Good so for them. just <laughs> it was yeah I'm, I'm super pumped for for game found for awaken realms for for adam and and all those involved in, in making this game um it's cool and, and and again so 
writing the the tales of this. And again, I was a backer for retaliation. I'm like, you know, I've got to get locked down to the table. I wanted to play it before the campaign ended just to make sure I knew what I was doing and I was doing the right thing. Ah, who cares? It's just money, Dean. It's just, it's just money. <laughs> so I finally got locked down out to the table and I had nobody to play with. So it was just me playing solo. But you know, it was it was still great. Um, if you haven't played Lockdown before, it is a riff off of the Nemesis mechanisms. And, but this one, where Nemesis takes place, like like the Alien movie with Sigourney Weaver, takes place on a on a ship out in space. You wake up and oh no, there's aliens on board. Uh, this one takes place after that. So like in the, in the narrative of the story, the Nemesis uh, has been found and they've taken the survivors to this base on Mars. And that's where the story picks up. So you're playing as either a survivor from the Nemesis ship, or you're playing as a new character. That's a worker at that facility where you are. And there's a few things that change. And um, the there's different levels of the base where you are. And so where you are on that base will determine certain things. There's power now that you have to manage and the power continues to go out at certain point as the time tracker moves down. So there are certain things that will work or will not work, like the elevator and those types of things when the power is not on. And uh, if the power is off, when you encounter the, the the alien race in this one, the night stalkers, they're more dangerous at night or they're more dangerous in the dark when you can't see them. So if you're going to face them, you want, the, you want the lights on. Light also erases your noise tokens. All kinds of things that, that, that happen here. And it's really, really interesting riff off of the, the alien game. Um, again, playing solo, this one worked out fairly well for me. I had a favorable objective and some favorable positioning. I went out, I had an encounter, I killed me an alien, I drug its smelly carcass back to the isolation room and locked myself in for the win. And it was, <laughs> even by myself, it still feels cinematic. And there's so many variables and things that can change to make this game replayable. This is one of those games I was mentioning in the last episode where I could just play over and over and over and have a different experience and looking forward to doing that at, at some point when there's time, but it is just so much fun. And you've not played this one yet. Have you? No, I've played the original and that made right. my list, you know, top 50 for a while. Um, and the only reason it dropped is just cause I, I never played it. I haven't played it in years, but I love that game and I really want to get it back to the table. I only own the base game of the original. Um, I don't feel the need for this one to have everything just because it won't get to the table often. But I, I am intrigued by these other versions of it. If I just had the right people to play it with, that that's my biggest thing. Yeah. But solo, though, is it worth it? I mean, do I need to pull it out and play it solo? I, I, I wouldn't buy it as a solo game. Right. But I would pull it out and play it if I just wanted to experience it and get the feel and either learn the rules or refresh myself on the rules or just... I want to play. I feel like I want to be on a ship, but there's somebody here to play me or I want to be on a space base with aliens, but there's nobody to play. I'll play it. It's not that bad. Once you know what you're doing, the, the setup is a whole lot quicker and the gameplay is super smooth. You're just, you just have a hand of cards, you know, and you're using the, using cards to play cards and take certain actions. And when you move into a room, you're going to take certain actions. It's the, the, me- the mechanisms are pretty simple and straightforward, but there is a lot to keep up with. Yeah. Um, but yes, I would say it's worth playing. I would, that's not my preferred way to play, but it's worth it. And, and you said you don't have all the extra stuff. The extra stuff isn't needed. I have all the gameplay stuff. I don't have all the, the, the unnecessary terrain packs and I collect tokens and all those extra things. They make things you know really nice and blinged out. You don't have to have that stuff. Um, you don't, but you don't even need the extra gameplay stuff. Just the base game, I would feel like, has enough variability for, for anyone to get that cinematic experience. 
but there are those other expansions and different races that cause different things to happen and different ways to play. There's a lot not needed, but man, it's fun. This is definitely a purchase for me. If any of that cinematic alien sci-fi horror stuff is appealing to you, these, these nemesis games to me are, are just no brainers. If you have the means to, <laughs> to, to get them. Right. Cheap. Right. That's cool. I, I want to check that out at some point, put it on the pile. <laughs> it may break the pile. If it's a big box. Very true. That's cool. That's Nemesis Lockdown from you. I, I really want to check that out. And and really, it just makes me want to get Nemesis back to the table. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, be, I'll my, be happy to play it. <laughs> my closet gathering dust in there. So right. games that hopefully will not be gathering dust are games that are going to be coming out in 2024 that we are looking forward to playing. So let's get to our top 10 anticipated 2024 releases. All right, Meeple Town, it's that time of year that we look at all the games that we see coming out for 2024. We went through 16 pages of 25 games. What is what is the math on that? That's a lot. That's a lot of games. That's 400 games. For, is that right? Yep. If it is 20, it's not 25 though. It's it's 50, isn't it? I'll say it was a whole lot more than 25. Hopefully not 100. I'll tell you what, I didn't go through all those games. That's what I didn't do. Darren did. He is much That's more right. diligent than I am. It, it was Slacker. more than 25. It had to have been 50 or 100. I bet it was not, 100. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Geek list display 25. But I think if you're looking at just a list of games, I think it's 100. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a bunch we of games. We went through a lot of games for you, Meeple Town. Darren went through a lot of games for you, Meeple Town. Yes. <laughs> who who oh. really loves you? I did too, and I actually watched several videos of the ones that were most exciting for me, and uh, so I'm excited. And some of those made my list, so I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited about some of these actually. Now, some of mine are going to be reimagining um, of other versions of the game. Several, especially the, at the the first part of my list, I'll have I think my first four are games that have already been released. This is just a reimagining or a redoing, not a reprint but like a re-implementation so i'm gonna go ahead and start off you don't need me to describe what is going to be on my list because i'm going to actually do my list the first game on my list is a re-implementation of defenders of the realm this is defenders of the realm legends retold now i'm gonna i'm gonna vent for two seconds and then i'll i'll get to this one but I used to have Defenders of the Realm. They announced a new version of it. I got rid of my version because I was like real excited about picking up this new fancy version that never happened. <laughs> what they did is a uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse like game. It's set in the Sentinels, Sentinels of the Multiverse universe, Defenders of the Realm, which I don't really care anything about Sentinels. I didn't like that game very much, and so... That did nothing for me, and I was real bummed about that. But they announced this Defenders of the Realm uh, Legends Retold that is going to be supposedly releasing in 2024. They actually had a a, uh, demo version of this, at least at PAX Unplugged. I'm sure they had one at Gen Con too, but PAX Unplugged had one. Uh, But this is a cooperative fantasy-style game. It's similar kind of to Pandemic. It came out uh, years ago, years and years ago. It has the the cool, like, old 
fantasy style art. You can look up the old version of that. So I, I really liked the game when it was available a lot. I liked the game a lot, but I still got rid of it because I was holding out for a different version of it. This is that different version. I'm interested to see some of the changes. The artwork is cool. It kind of makes me think of De- Descent, the way they redid the art on Descent. I wasn't the biggest fan, but it kind of grew on me. I kind of like the art for this new version of it. I just don't know how much yet until I it's it's sitting in front of me. But I'm super pumped to play this one just to see what it offers. It's it's cool. It is a cool game. Um, the old version is, and so I'm interested to see what this offers. I'm taking your your word for it that this is a good pick. Um, I know nothing of this one, so. Yep, yep, yep. That is Legend uh, Defenders of the Realm Legends Retold. My number ten. Excellent pick. My number ten is, and, and I will say this about my list: these are all games that we have talked about in some shape, form, or fashion. I feel like over the course of the last, you know, twenty or so episodes, these games have come up. Some of them, particularly here recently. So maybe nothing new under the sun. So maybe we don't have to talk about them in ex- in extensive ways, but. Uh, just so you know, these are games that we are pumped about. And all the ones that I will be discussing are games that should be, and, and I think this is true for Dean as well, these are games that should be released in 2024. Like not just launching in 2024, but but should be released. I only have one that I'll mention that might, it might come close, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. So my number 10 is, you know, I'm loving the whole trick-taking game. I, and I feel like the rest of the board gaming world is in the middle of a trick-taking renaissance. Everybody's putting out a trick-taker right now. But one of the ones that helped launch, I feel like, this renaissance was The Crew. And as we talked about a few episodes ago, The Crew is coming out with a new uh, edition, version, whatever you want to call it. This is The Crew Family. Again, these are cooperative trick-taking games with limited communication. This one, The Family, is based on kind of the Swiss family Robinson setting. And so you're going to be stranded on a desert island and there's going to be missions you have to figure out and figure out how you're going to eat and sleep. And, you know, who knows how the adventure is going to end. But the quest for Planet Nine, the crew quest for Planet Nine was a hit. And the the follow-up to that, uh, the crew Mission Deep Sea, which has been my favorite of the two so far, was, was very exciting. Love playing that. And so putting this game in a Swiss family Robinson strand on a deserted island kind of setting sounds real exciting. Cannot wait to finally get this one. That is my number 10, The Crew Family. Excellent. All right. My number nine is a, again, another uh, re-implementation. This is Shipwrights of the North Sea. I said, did I say 10? <laughs> I meant nine if I said 10. I Sorry listening. about that. All right. My number nine, can't remember what I said now, is... Shipwrights of the North Sea Redux. Now, this was from a series. Shipwrights of the North Sea was in the series of Raiders of the North Sea, Shipwrights, and uh, Explorers of the North Sea. But this is an entirely new game, uh, is the way that it is advertised. This has already been kickstarted or some sort of crowd-funded. And um, it shares, what they say is it shares thematic elements and um, player goals from the original, but the core gameplay itself has been rebuilt and it kind of more in line with Garfield games. Those first two shipwrights and explorers, I don't, I'd never played either one of them, but it was my understanding that there's a reason I didn't pick them up. I guess that I didn't see a lot of great feedback on those. Uh, maybe on the lighter side, I don't, I'm, I'm really not sure of what the big difference was, but 
they overhauled it and in a game like trilogy that i really enjoy i love raiders of the north sea i love the art on those games i love kind of the thematic nature that you first build a a ship and then you explore with that ship and then you of course have to pillage with you know going around raiding these different villages so i love the progression of how that series works but i never got the other one so now i'm wondering if explorers what's going to be next with that they may have already announced it. i just don't know but it makes me want to pick up shipwrights of the north sea redux and then potentially either get the old version of Explorer, play the old version of Explorers, or just see if they're going to redo that one as well. So I, I'm intrigued by this. I really like Garful Games. And again, you know, Miko Art is fantastic. So that's uh, that's it. Shipwrights of the North Sea Redux, my number nine. Yeah, my number nine, I, I may be calling an audible here and making a change as you're talking about Shipwrights. I think my number nine is also a Garfield game. And this is part of their ancient anthology series of games, I believe. And this is a theme that I'm super excited about. And that is Ezra and Nehemiah, where you are rebuilding the walls and the temple for the returning exiles of ancient Jerusalem. Um, Again, I know we've mentioned this one before, but uh, again, setting place in that time period where, where these two individuals have been sent by King Darius of, I'm sorry, by, by King Cyrus of Persia to rebuild these different aspects of, of the city of Jerusalem. I love Garfield games. I don't love all Garfield games. There's something about, I have found there's like one game in each of the series that excites me and interests me. I don't own them all. I own like one for each. And so this is the one so far in the ancient anthology series of games that is really speaking to me. Primarily, I just really dig the the theme. And I know they're saying this may be the the crunchiest and heaviest of them all. This is definitely, from what I hear, a um, kind of a a greatest hits of a lot of their mechanisms. There's worker placement and, you know, tracks, of course, tech trees and hand management and chaining and chaining and chaining. I just love the way the Garfield games play and the the theme and the art of this one. This is one of the first games uh, that Sam Phillips has drawn that that has really uh, appealed to me from an art standpoint. So really looking forward to to this one. That is Ezra and Nehemiah from Garfield Games, my number nine. Let me make a, a quick uh, side note here. I Darren made his list first. I looked at Darren's <laughs> list and it tried to not have any overlap. If it was a top 10 games that we've played, it's, you know, we're going to have overlap because that just happens. I'm not going to change it because of that. But for a list like this, there's so many games that I'm looking forward to. It was okay for me to not include some. Ezra and Nehemiah is one of those, especially because I did back that, and this is my favorite series of of Garfield games. And for me, it's not close. All three of those first three that came out are bangers, and they've announced two more that are going to be kicking at the beginning of the year. So I'm looking forward to all that and could have maybe put all of those on the list. I'm not sure when those other ones are coming out. We don't say kicking. Yeah, that's the it's a thing. No. Secret Cabal says no. it. No, 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 no. Don <laughs> says it. Don says it. We we're not bringing that trash here into Meeple Town. We keep that filthy language out. <laughs> All right, so I recommend uh, kicking Garfield games, not like with your foot, but I'm going to kick them. you. <laughs> 
All right, my number eight is a again another reimagining, as it were. This is Endeavor Deep Sea. Endeavor is a game that has been a favorite of mine for a long time. I did not back Endeavor Deep Sea with maybe a little bit of regret um, because of the deluxe version of this is pretty sweet. You do get the recess boards, you get all of the game trays uh, insert stuff. But I might not be able to get that, so I'm just gonna be have to be happy with playing the retail version whenever I can get my hands on it. Similar play to Endeavor, from my understanding, but there's a little bit of a um, I don't know if campaign is the right word, scenario based. They're scenario based, but I don't know if there's like a, a progression of a story or anything like that. But there's different tiles that go out onto the board that can change the location. So basically in in Endeavor, you're putting out your tokens out onto the board to give you points and give you resources and kind of discover new places. Deep Sea gives you, my understanding, is more options with that. So putting out different tiles that kind of change up the the locations of the uh, places on the board. So, you know, a a little next step and a, a little more... Um, I would say variability in in the setup is what it seems like. Again, I I didn't follow this too closely. I'm trying not to back as many things. And if the more I look at things during the campaigns, the more likely I am to back it. So stayed away from this one. But now that I'm seeing that it's releasing this next year, I'm pretty excited to, to see what this has to offer. That is Endeavor Deep Sea. Very good. My number eight is kind of a cheat a little bit. It's two games, but I'm combining them into one. This, uh, Both of these are coming from Bitewing Games and the great, illustrious, good doctor, Reiner Knizia, and with the art by Ian O'Toole. This is Cascadero and Cascadito. Cascadito being the roll and write version of Cascadero. And in Cascadero, this is the new kind of tile placement strategy game from Knizia where the, the El Cascadero is trying to reunite the kingdom and sending out his ministers or ambassadors, you know, to visit certain towns. And so you're doing that by placing not really tiles. They're more little, little meeples and trying to connect them and score various points and moving up tracks and collect bonuses. It's one of those games where uh, one of the classic kind of Kinesia games where the, um, the, the mechanisms and what you're doing, the actions and the turns are, are fairly simple, but the depth of what you're doing and the way you're interacting with the everyone else and what they're thinking and doing and the other positions on the board, just seems really exciting and appealing. This is one of the first new uh, kind of big box games from from Kinesia. And so I'm super pumped about this one and the, the Roll and Write version, which looks like kind of a more uh, streamlined way of getting and smaller way of getting that to, to the table as well. So pumped about both of these. Gotta love the good doctor. That is my number eight, Cascadero and Cascadito. Yep, another one of those that since Darren did his list first, I did not include these on mine. But another case where the early bird gets the Knizia game, I guess. Don't have list envy. <laughs> I don't. I'm okay with putting this on honorable mentions anyway, but I, I'm intrigued to try this one for sure. Okay. All right, my number uh, seven is a the last one that... Nope, that's not true. It is not true that it's <laughs> the last one that is a... Actually, there's... Two more after this one. Half of my list is re-implementations, which is, you know, maybe an indication on what what games are coming out this year. Who knows? (laughs) But this is Colosseum Ave Titus. This is 
a game coming from Wolfgang Kramer uh, and Lupke, Marcus Lupke. I don't know if I said that right. And then Johnny Pack. Now, we broke the news on this game on Meepletown. Meepletown broke the news, that's right, of the new campaign that's coming out for Coliseum. And I don't remember if we talked about this. I think we did. But when I talked to Johnny Pack about this, he said, if you look at Brass Lancashire, like the original Brass and Brass Birmingham, this is kind of the same thing. They're going to do a campaign that releases the original that's kind of overhauled with the artwork and components and things like that. But also I think they may have tweaked a couple things on that one. I'm not positive, but what they did with the uh, Coliseum Ave Titus is they, they redid it. They built it from scratch, but it's, you know, it's got flares of Coliseum where you're still kind of building up to put on the best show, the most significant and memorable events in Coliseum history. Um, You're, you're trying to, you know, make that happen. And in Coliseum, you get points based on the best show that you put on. So you put on three shows. I don't, I'm not guaranteed to put on a better show than I did last time. And if I didn't, then I don't get those points. And you know, you know what I mean? Like the points aren't cumulative. They are what show gave you the best points. And that's what you're going to get for the entire game, which I think is interesting. I really enjoyed Coliseum when I played it, uh, it, the, the, it grew on me, I guess. I didn't necessarily love it, love it the first time I played it, but but I really enjoy this one. I love Cromer. Uh, Johnny Pack is great at developing games and kind of thinking through um, games, and especially games by Cromer, who is his favorite designer. And so this was like a uh, a really big big deal for him. And it's also got you know tool art. I'm super excited about this one. I think it's going to be fantastic. I hope it is. If not, then I will be very mad. No, I'm just kidding. I will not. But I, I imagine it's going to be good. Both of these versions are going to be fun. I'm looking forward to them. That's Coliseum Ave Titus. Yeah, I feel like both of these, the Coliseum reprint or retooling, whatever it is, as well as Ave Titus, both of these make my honorable mentions. Very pumped about, you know, seeing, I, I've never played Coliseum, but seeing this newer version with art by Eno Tool and the Micho, um, you know, same designers. And then with Ave Titus having those same designers and Johnny Pack developing and, you know, tool art. Um, yeah. And you, and your excitement for this, uh, I'm really looking forward to playing both of these. So they're part of my honorable mentions as well. Yeah. At this moment, all I've seen is the box cover. I don't know if they've done any, uh, I could be wrong. I, I haven't seen it. There's no images on BGG other than the box cover to know if there's any gameplay videos or images out there. Um, but I can imagine it's, you know, tool for me, that is a a grand slam every time, right? For the for the art. So, yep, looking forward to it. Coliseum, Ave Titus. Good deal. Uh, mine number seven is one that we've again talked about recently. The pre order is still up on Simon's website. If you are interested in delving into the dark world of Cthulhu Dark Providence, and Dean, can I just say, I've typed the word Cthulhu a lot here recently for various reasons, I'm not sure there's a more fun word to type than Cthulhu. There's something about the letters and the way it sounds. Maybe it's the dark one, you know, trying to seep its tentacles into my, the, my brain and driving me insane, but I'm really enjoying typing Cthulhu. Even just saying it, the way it rolls off the tongue, Cthulhu. Ah, don't say it three times. You know what happens. <laughs> I would, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I always leave off that extra H on there. See, that's the part that makes it fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
the H is what makes it. Either way, so this is uh, a game designed by Travis Chance and, Mar- so, and Martin Wallace. So again, like, like we've said before, this one is based on A Study in Emerald, which was a game by Martin Wallace from several years ago. This is them taking that game uh, into the Simon fold and putting it into the uh, Cthulhu Death May Die universe. This is kind of like the, the depression period of the eastern side of the United States. Travis Chance has come in and worked with Martin Wallace to, to make this game, to kind of re, redo it. And I've seen several uh, plays of this online. Travis has been going around to a lot of the, the bigger uh, YouTube channels and and playing this game live, Good Time Society, Dice Tower, and others. And this just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, again, it is a deck building game of sorts, but but it does it very differently where you are trying to go out and uh, gain control of certain cities. And there's different roles. You can either be just a regular investigator. You can be a, a cultist. You can be a dissident, which is a new role they've added to this game. But it plays differently than a lot of other social deduction games. It's There are alliances, but you're really just trying to win on your own. There's lots of really cool changes that, that, that have happened here from the original game, which I've not played, but really like to. I know you haven't. You're being selfish and you won't play it with me. Whatever. <laughs> But but just watching the the setting of this world and the, the story that is behind it and watching some of the gameplays, this speaks to the the dark side of me. And so I'm really, really looking forward to my number seven, Cthulhu Dark Providence. Excellent. All right. My number six is a game by a new designer and a new publisher. This is Wanderlust Discover the World. Now, what appeals to me is the theme of this first off. So you are planning a trip and the more complex the trip, the more points you're going to get. And you're going to be collecting cards, set collection of, uh, if I understand this right, modes of method, uh, modes of travel, excuse me, um, methods of, of traveling. And so you're, you know, you're going to get uh, on the plane, you're going to travel by boat, you're going to be taking rail or whatever. And then kind of planning out your route and then trading those in to get um, to get victory points. Again, the more complex, the the better for you and the amount of points that you're going to get. I like the look of this one. The art on this is is beautiful. Um, the fact that it is a new designer, it's a theme that really draws me in. In fact, I don't know why we don't have enough of these type of games with this theme. It is one that I have often thought about, you know, if I were to come up with a design which I've put zero effort into. I always thought this would be one that would be fun to make. And um, I, I just, I love it. It, it gives me feels. Now, I th- it's going to be more complex, it seems like, but it makes me think a little bit of Ticket to Ride, even though it's not that. You're not like laying things out on the board. You're moving around the board and traveling is, is my understanding of this. And so, uh, you know, cool locations that you can go to, all that just makes it for a game that I'm just super pumped about. I, this is this is one I just again looked at the title of it, saw the box cover, and I just clicked on it. When you're going through however many hundreds and hundreds of games that we go through, it better grab your attention, and this is one that did. So I am pumped to get this one tried out. Wanderlust, discover the world. Very cool. I like discovering the world. I also like discovering myself, Dean, which is why I'm really <laughs> excited about my number six, Unconscious Mind. This is from Fantasia Games, 
and designed by Johnny Pack and Laskus and Yoma and Antonio Zacks and uh, art by Andrew Bosley and Vincent Dutrait. I know this is, I've gotten so much buzz in the board gaming world for a while. And it is, I think, finally set to deliver here in the early half of, of, uh, of 2024. And again, you are part of Freud's followers delving into your client's unconscious minds. And there are, uh, there's open drafting, there is worker placement, there's set collection, there's a rondelle, there's melding and splaying, splaying, Dean. They're splaying. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love this. And the art is is beautiful. And um, and again, we I know we've mentioned the name already, but I love basically anything that, that Johnny Pack helps and does and just done a lot of good things. Watch some of the stuff on this one. I've got everything coming. I don't have the superfluous components, the deluxe components that, that you don't need. I don't have that, but I've got everything else uh, coming eventually in this in this campaign whenever it delivers. So very pumped about about this. The the art, the gameplay, the world, the setting just seems really exciting. It's going to play one to four players. So I'm excited about the the versatility there. This is my number six. I am consciously choosing unconscious mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this would have been pretty high on my list for sure. I'm I'm super excited about this one as well. Great pick. All right, my number. We're moving into the to the top five now. So the big time. You got to be in the big leagues to be in the in the top five. These are actually good of- games. <laughs> uh, yes, actually, we don't know. We've not played these, so <laughs> who knows? They could be awful. This one is by a designer who put out a game uh, this last year, two years ago, called Oak. This is a, uh, Oak is a game that I just, I didn't love that game. I thought it was fine, but it got a lot of really big buzz and love. I, yeah, but this one has me more excited. It is Bone Wars. And in this game, this is a, a Game Brewer published game too, which I like Game Brewer games. They they have great, great components and do, do a good job of, of developing their games. But you're taking on the role of a paleontologist in the late 1800s. There, now there was this 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 huge rivalry between Marsh and Cope, and uh, two world-renowned paleontologists. So they're and they're trying to outdo each other. You're not taking on the role of them. They're on the board. You're trying to impress them. I believe I watched a video on this one. It seems like you're trying to impress them and get their favor or whatever. But you're kind of doing your own thing and playing your uh, cards into your board. It kind of looks like Lacrimosa in the sense of like you play a card into your board, take that action, but it's not that way at all. It's just the way it looks. It doesn't play out the same way. But there's a cost associated on the card and a cost associated on your player board to be able to take that action. And um, the look of it is really cool. The, the art is phenomenal. The components look fantastic. The gameplay looks to be a lot of fun. You're going around to different uh, locations on the board and just, you know, trying to be the best paleontologist that you can be. I studied anthropology is one of the things I studied in college. And so I have a, a, uh, draw to that theme as well. So I'm, I'm pumped about this one. It looks really cool. That is bone wars. There is a video that I watched, um, by John gets games, did a video playthrough of this one. Cool. Sounds like a good pick. I love paleontology. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Dean. You said we've not played our top five. In some ways, I have played all but one of my top five. And you're going to see how and why. The, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I didn't. You're a cheater. 
Um, well, maybe some may consider that cheating. Um, I just realized that a lot of these are some type of, most of these are some type of expansion in some shape, form, or fashion. We'll get there. My number five is a game that I demoed at Gen Con this past summer and really enjoyed it, maybe even more so than a similar game. This is Star Wars Unlimited. This is the FFG CCG, <laughs> the collectible card game coming out by Fantasy Flight Games uh, in theory in March. This is right now a two-player game. Like I said, I demoed it. And comparing this to Lorcana, the Disney Lorcana game that, that Dean always wants to talk about, I, I may prefer <laughs> I may prefer Star Wars. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, this one does, it feels like other CCGs from what I understand. You know, you've got resources, you're playing cards to use them as resources like Ink and Lorcana or maybe Mana and Magic. Um, but in this one, you've got two theaters that you're playing into. You're playing cards to the land theater of battle or to the space theater of battle. And so certain cards can only go in certain areas. Uh, you have a leader card in the middle of your board. And so this leader will give you certain abilities when it's serving as your leader. But once you've accrued enough resources, that leader can now enter one of the theaters, depending on who it is. Like the game that I played at Gen Con, uh, Luke was my leader and Vader was my opponent's leader. And we had a lot of fun doing that. I love how this game plays. I was really shocked and stunned by how, how much I liked it. We'll see when the final product comes out. There's a lot they can do here. And they're going to pull, at least it sounds like, from all different kinds of facets of the franchise. Video games and movies and comics and books. And that's how they're talking. So we'll see. So that sounds exciting, but my fear in this game is that they might stop working then on the deck building game, Star Wars deck building game, uh, which may be one of the worst titles I've heard, but I do really enjoy that game also by, by Fantasy Flight. And so that's my fear, but this particular game, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with it, or, or at least the promise of it. We'll see when it, when it finally comes out. But my number five, Star Wars Unlimited. It'd be interesting to see with Altered coming out too, that other CCG how that will alter that <laughs> that uh, gaming world, you know, how, how all of that's, what's going to come out on top and all of these will be very interesting to see. Yeah, and for those that don't know, why don't you tell how Altered may alter now that you've brought it up? It's a CCG. That's literally the only thing I know different about that game. I, I didn't look much into this one. Is that not the game that has the QR codes on each card? Oh, that's and right. That's right. Yes. That's how this can alter the whole way of playing CCGs is because now you're owning digital copies. Yeah. NFT of, kind of model there. Right. Yeah. Kind of freaky. And you can rent out cards and all that sort of thing. That's right. Um, yep. So I, I'm not going to get into that is my guess. Who knows? I might change my mind completely, but as of now, I don't imagine I will. Yeah. Same. All right, my number four. I watched a video on this one too, and I gotta say, I'm. I guess the numbering in my picks doesn't really matter that much because I've not played any of these. But Milkman is one I'm really excited about. Milkman is my number four. This is a game from um, Dice Hate Me Games, which is a publisher that I really, really like. Um, I've liked lots of things that they have done in the past. And this game, you are taking on the role of a dairy farmer, and you are going around in the 1950s making milk and going around delivering it to thirsty customers, is what they say on the 
the uh, description on here, but also I've watched, like I said, watched a, um, watched a video on this, which is, it's cool. So you're, you're doing your best. This is the description, doing your best to manage your farm, keep the cows happy, process and deliver whole skim and chocolate milk and persuade local customers that your milk is definitely the freshest and the tastiest around. The gameplay is actually pretty simple. You're going to be rolling dice and you have a you can Dotsie, Yahtzee style dice rolling on some of the dice, but not all of them. And then taking the actions for those. So you might be uh, making, you know, milking a cow. You might be um, loading up your truck or moving your truck or um, there's lots of different things you can do. You can upgrade your farm a little bit. I Part of me wishes it, just from the gameplay video that I watched of this, I wish there was maybe a little bit more upgrading going on. Who knows if there's going to be an expansion that comes out for this or what that's going to look like, but the components look fantastic. If if those were final components that I was looking at in the how to play video, it's got little cow meeples. You can get more cows. And so whenever you go to milk the cows, you can take more milk and put those in your, uh, like in your tanks and then put them on your car. And then you have different houses that have different types of milk that they want. And you're going to deliver those really cool. Looks to be fairly simple. This will be a, I, I would imagine a, a must get for me on the year. I think it just looks so cool. Did you look at this one at all? Sorry, I know we're not making extra commentaries, but did you look at Milkman? I've not looked at it, but I can remember hearing uh, on some podcast. I can't remember who interviewed the. It was either the the designer or someone else from from Dice Hate Me Games and them talk about it. I thought it sounded really interesting. And just looking at it, I mean, it looks delicious. I hope I hope it does a body good. <laughs> This is by designer uh, Joshua Mills, who did uh, Rocky Rocky Road, a la mode, um, Top Pop that released this last year. I've not played that. I've not played either of those. Big Easy uh, Busking um, from 2020. Yep. Cool games. And then Quan Chai Moria art. So it looks fantastic. I'm really excited about this one. It probably should have been a little higher, but it doesn't really matter because we've not played any of these. Yeah, it does kind of have that Norman Rockwell yes. kind of vibe to it. So mm-hmm. even you know, Welcome to kind of gives you a little bit mm-hmm. of the feel of of that game. So yeah. Anyway, that's Milkman. Super pumped about that. My number four. Very cool. Sounds wonderful. My number four is also one I am super pumped about, and it's again one we've mentioned. Uh, you've heard a lot about it. This is a new version of of this game coming out from Simon. This is Marvel United multiverse and i'm throwing in all the expansions here there's going to be the base game the multiverse is going to be kind of the base game for this one but there's going to be tons of expansions that come along with this that will be shipped here here soon this year this again designed by um andrea charvezio i can never say that right sorry Andrea. Um, Eric Lang is also part of this. And again, they were part of the original designers. I don't know how much they are continuing to include uh, or participate in some of these other uh, riffs off of this game, but but the, this base design and what they've done with this one is, is fantastic. It's going to play one to five players in 40 minutes or less, usually less. And if you don't know, this is a very light cooperative card game where you're using the icons from other players' cards as well as your own cards. And that to me, that's one of the fascinating things about the Marvel United games. I love the simplicity and just the the cleverness of that, that part of your cooperation here is um, borrowing off one another's, one another's icons. There's great chibi minis in, in the base game, the multiverse game, you've got 
Captain Carter and Shuri Black Panther and Loki and Spider-Man 2099 and Mighty Thor, which is Jane, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Emperor Doom, Immortus, all these fantastic characters. And there's other expansions that come along with this, depending on how big you went into the the Kickstarter. And, uh, I got all of it. But there's also Fantastic Four and the, another giant Galactus sort of expansion, World War Hulk and Civil War and Secret Invasion and a whole a whole bunch of others. This thing also adds campaign decks, which let, let you now play the game in some type of campaign mode. And there's team decks that uh, that lets you match up certain players and play in team modes. And there's pet companions expansion. You know what that means, don't you, Dean? <laughs> I don't Allig- actually. Alligator Loki. I mean, that alone uh, sells me. So either what way, are those, what are those cats? Um, uh, what are they called? <laughs> oh, my are, word. is that in the game? Oh man. You know what? It might Flop, be. Flark, I think it Flurgan. is. Flurgan nerfer. I don't know. Flurgans. I think they're Flurgans. I think that's right. The little cat alien thing from um, from the Marvel films. If you've seen that, and obviously from other comic books and things. But but yes, I want to say yes. I've I can't really back that up. This is expected to deliver in March, and I'm super jazzed about that. And that is my number four, Marvel United Multiverse. Excellent. Marvel United is the new Taverns of Tiefenthal for Darren. <laughs> Shows up on every list. I think. No, just kidding. That's that's a great game. All right. My number three is a, you know, Mapletown Dean is going to have shallow picks. I'm going to shallow when I do things like this, when it's anticipated list. And this list is no exception. My pick is Skyrise. This is a game from Roxley Games. It is from, it's a another one of those reimagining, re-implementation of a game that was a Spiel des Jahres recommended game called Metropolis back in 2008. I've not played that game at all, but you are building up a city in the sky and trying to be the best builder. You're trying to be uh, the the one who is remembered as the greatest builder uh, of this Skyrise, which is the name of the city. It's dedicated to art, science, and beauty. And it is a beautiful, beautiful, insanely potentially overproduced game maybe (laughs) i don't know i've not played it to know like how necessary you need to have these giant buildings on the board is but i tell you what i don't care because i want this game so bad you are uh andrew bosley art too you are trying to win auctions to be able to uh i guess to to be able to get the buildings i don't know that for sure i know it's an auctioning game and i know that the production looks fantastic and you're putting out buildings out onto the board and that's all I need to care about. That's why I picked up Foundations of Rome and it ended up being one of my favorite games. And so surely this is destined to also be one of my favorite games just because the production is so fantastic. Is that enough? Is that reason enough to pick a game? For you, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so production. Also, Roxley Games tends to put out games that I really enjoy. This, this one was funded through Kickstarter. Uh, game found one of those maybe... Yeah, one of those. I if it's my understanding, this one may have been a little bit delayed too, and people are questioning like, "Where's my game?" I, I don't know enough about that. I just kind of read some of the comments, and that's you know a lot of games that they do that. But I will be very interested to try this one out whenever it comes out. That is Skyrise, my number three. Yeah, that does look interesting. I would be 
curious to try that one as well. My number three is one that I've already tried in many ways, at least the base game multiple times. One of my most played games uh, of, of this past year, right after I got it in particular. And so this is an expansion that I'm still not sure exactly what the name is. There's not a lot of great information out there. This one was leaked here recently. So the, the, the game I'm talking about is Heat, Pedal to the Metal, the Torrential, or perhaps Heavy Rain expansion. Uh, and again, P- Heat is the Days of Wonder racing game that has just been taking the world by storm or having a hard time keeping it in stock anywhere. Not much info. There's not even an official BGG listing yet. Dean talked about it recently. So I'm not going to say much else other than, you know, it does seem to add a car. You know, if you've got the Heat uh, base game, there are two spots for cars to be added. And so this one's at least going to add one more car and it's going to add some rain that's going to make it more challenging to manage that speed limit and like the shifting of gears and the curves, uh, which, you know, is just one of the most exciting and interesting parts of the game. I believe it's adding two new maps. And Dean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Mexico and Japan, I think, are the two maps. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, good deal. Yeah, And in theory, this is supposed to release. There's conflict, some conflicting reports that this is going to come out either in February or March. So we'll just have to wait and see. Either way, somewhere around mid to late quarter one, hopefully. Really looking forward to picking this up. Heat was my number four game of all time when we did that list back in the summer. So super pumped about this one. Heat pedal to the metal, torrential, potentially heavy rain expansion. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent pick. Looking forward to that as well. I don't include expansions on my list. That is why this one did not make it. I'm not slamming Darren on that at all. He can pick whatever he wants to. It's his list. I think that was a passive aggressive way of saying you're better than me. (laughs) I take offense to that, Mayor Dean. (laughs) All right, my number two is a Andromeda's Edge. This is a, a reimagining, maybe, might be the best way of saying this, of um, Dwellings of Eldervale in space. <laughs> dwellings, of, dwellings of Eldervale is a fantasy game where you're going around the map, you're going to be placing out workers and taking actions and recalling workers and taking actions with those. It's a really interesting system. It's got a pretty light combat system where you're rolling dice and determining the winner from that. Now, when I've watched videos of this, now I did back this one, Darren. This is one that I did uh, back pretty heavily because I I really like Dwellings a lot. One of my favorite games. I like the space theme of Andromeda's Edge. But the thing that really drew me into this one is watching some of the gameplay and then hearing people talk about how much better, how much they prefer the, the, um, combat in the new version of this andromeda's edge i I know there's other different things you actually start off with basically nothing and you're trying to expand your expand your uh, civilization out onto the board and and you know i guess there's discovering new planets and i'm sure there's some sort of colonization because you got to do that um i don't remember much from the gameplay on those videos but the combat part the improved combat system in this one is one that a lot of people talked about that did get a chance to play this and I didn't hate the combat system in the other one. I just, you know, any way of improving that I think would be really helpful. So I'm excited to to get this one checked out. That is Andromeda's Edge. My number two, it also looks amazing. All the components, lots of cool plastic ships and all that good stuff. Did you say 
colonization because you have to do that? You do. In these games, if you're discovering new planets, you got to take them over. You can't just discover them and let them be. Man. Right? We have to Is there a game that does that? (laughs) Is there... Is there a civilization that does that? I don't know. There uh, should be. Never, we should be know. better people is what we should be, but <laughs> but nope. I I wants it is what we say. It's got to be mine. Can't be somebody else's. Speaking of destroying what others have, my number two is uh, an expansion to a game that does just that. This is Thunder Road Vendetta Carnival of Chaos. Again, this... New expansion, not a whole lot of information out there right now, but this is an expansion to Restoration Games, you know, Thunder Road Vendetta, uh, particularly the Maximum Chrome edition is the one that that I have and that we've played. And which again, that game is basically Mad Max, the board game. You're You're racing, but really you're smashing and slamming and creating all kinds of chaos on, on the road. And there's all kinds of hazardous terrain that's just going to destroy you or somebody else. It's just raucous fun. And so this expansion, Carnival of Chaos, is going to be a, it sounds like it's going to introduce a new way to play. And again, not a lot of info, but it mentions something about an arena of screaming fans cheering you on. So I'm wondering if it's not something maybe more like a Thunderdome kind of deal and not just, you know, like Mad Max road race, you know, running for your life, but Thunderdome, maybe more like a cage match sort of deal, but with cars. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So some new way to play. And there's also going to be a standard set of cars for the fifth player in in the maximum Chrome edition or in some of the expansions you can get, you know, you've got, uh, you have your four main sets of cars. And then there's also a big rig, which you can add for a fifth player or uh, a set of motorcycles you can add for a fifth or sixth player if you so choose. And there's really like lots of carnage and I do, but this one will add um, a fifth set of cars for those that just want to play the the card thing. Who knows? This is supposed to come out in quarter one or at least launch in quarter one. It's campaign, I think on backer kit. And then in theory, it's going to be set to deliver in November of 2024. So this is the one that, as I mentioned, may or may not make it in 2024. Considering it's an expansion, maybe it will. There should be less being produced here, but it is going to be done with a reprint of the um, the Maximum Chrome edition of the game as well. So, so who knows if that will slow down production. In theory, it should come out in 2024, which is why I felt somewhat okay about putting it on the list as my number two, Thunder Road Vendetta, Carnival of Chaos. Excellent pick. Really like that game. And so I'm looking forward to that as well. My number one is, should be no surprise who the designer is, I guess. At least like, hey, Dean, you don't have a Feld game on your list yet. You got to have a Feld game and you would be right. I do. Now, which one do I put on there, Darren? I don't know. But I put Civilution. Civilution is a civilization game where you are um, dice, placing dice, you're taking dice and putting them into locations, taking actions. You're going to be moving up on tracks in this one, trying to build up your civilization. That's right. I said tracks, which is good. You've got these culture, uh, excuse me, civilization tracks, like culture and, you know, like a tech tree type thing, uh, tech track. There, there is a element of tech tree as well. It looks like I've not seen any of the gameplay of this one, but I have looked at lots of pictures and read about this one. And I will say it says medium heavy game, 
it looks like there is a lot going on in this game. My only concern, which honestly doesn't really matter that much, is I want it to have theme. I want it to be a really thematic game. That's what I want in all Civilization games. I can go ahead and tell you, this ain't it, probably, because it's a Feld game, and the theme doesn't usually matter, but Feld is still one of my favorite designers, and so I'm pumped. The other one I could have put on there was Katmandu, which there's less information about that out there. Darren's the one that brought that to my attention as a new design, uh, I believe, right? New design in the in the Queen series. But I, I stuck with the Civilution because I just think it looks cool and the theme draws me in. I don't know yeah. about the box cover. I don't know if the box cover draws me in a lot. I, Not really. But it's Dennis Lohausen art, I enjoy that. And the game board, everything looks cool. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I do love Dennis Lohausen art, but those creepy looking hands on the cover yeah. are kind of freaking me out. <laughs> you're a you're a student is kind of the theme behind this, um, if I remember right. Yeah, you're a, you're a student that's like at a technical academy of creation, and so you're like learning, and uh, it's almost like this is your final project kind of thing. Um, so at the end of the exams of after four eras. Um, whoever gets the most point from that Academy of Creation is going to be promoted. So I would rather just have a regular civilization game myself, but, you know, it's something different. Creepy hands on a box or not. It's something different. My number one, Civilution. That's a hard one to say, I'll tell you that. I mess it up most times. Well, you, you pulled it off. Uh, interesting pick. I am curious about about that one. And again, like you said, I think I've heard rumors that may be one of the more difficult uh, or heavy designs of, of Feld. My number one, on the other hand, in theory, I think is going to be really heavy, but it's also supposed to be a little more of a um, chunky yet streamlined design. From a designer that I love, who's also known for making heavy games, this is a game by Cole Worley, art by Cal Farron, published by Leader Games, and I am talking about ARCS, capital letters, A-R-C-S. This is a two to four player, 60 to 90 minute, fast playing space opera that's going to take place in the final days of a decaying empire. My understanding is that it's kind of a 4XE style game where you're battling the natural blight that's overwhelming the outer systems. And, uh, and as well, you are protecting your own ambitions against other factions. The main mechanism here, and this is the one that really, really grabbed me, is uh, the main mechanism is trick-taking. And each card you play, it's going to have a particular type of action suit. It's going to have a, a, a number of actions on it that you can take, and it's going to have a card value. And so the player that has the initiative will play the lead card and will take all the actions on their card. And then other players can either follow, like playing the same suit and taking all of their actions, or they can pivot by playing an offsuit card and only taking one of its actions, or they can copy the lead suit by playing any card face down to do one action of the lead card. So to me, that sounds kind of interesting. I love some of the games uh, like Brian Baru and others that have taken trick-taking and tried to make it part of a bigger 
board game, and that's kind of what's happening here. There's also a dice rolling mechanism. You know, in a lot of Cole's games, like in Rude and some others, dice rolling is a way of battling, and some people like it, some people don't. This one's a little interesting because there are three types of dice that you can take into battle. Some are more aggressive than others, and you get to customize uh, the dice that you're taking. And so depending on what you want to accomplish and what risk you want to take, you can take whatever kind of culmination of dice you want and go in and roll and battle because uh, there is fighting in this game. And so I don't know, just the theme of this sounds interesting. The whole spacey 4X kind of thing. It's one of those genres that I want to try and I want to like. And this game really speaks to me, maybe because I, I enjoy some of Cole's stuff. I love the art. I love trick taking. Um, the, there is a base game to this one. And it also comes with a, if you want a three game campaign expansion, and so, like I said, supposed to kind of be a little more streamlined, but it's also the culmination of Root and Oath. So I've got a feeling this is going to be um, a, a heavy, complex, but also uh, approachable, if you can say that, design from Cole. And that is my number one, Arcs. Hey, Darren, I went into a bit of a coughing, or excuse me, sneezing fit during an inopportune time, I think. But bless you, you say this? Does this have asymmetric um, powers, like factions in this one? You know, that is a great question to which I do not remember. I know there are different factions, and so that makes me think that there might be, but that was not something that was at least made a big deal of when I was doing my quick overview for Looking through here, it looks looks like... um, in one of the designer diaries, so I'm doing a quick search now. They, there's one that says becoming asymmetric. So I don't know if that is, um, having okay. not read this, I'm assuming that there's some asymmetry or at least, uh, you know, that was part of the planning. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm, this, ooh, yeah, this got me intrigued, Darren. This is a great, this is a great pick. I, I like leader games a lot. Root is one of my favorite games. Kyle Farron art in space. I got to tell you, does it for me. I like it. I like it. It's so unique. His art is so unique anyway, mm-hmm. but you automatically think cute woodland creatures. I do. Excuse me. I think that when I think of his art, this still has some of that, but in space and that's, and they're not cute. They're, they're vicious looking mm-hmm. creatures yeah. in, uh, in Kyle Farron vein <laughs> of art. So yeah, this is cool. I, I really want to want to check this one out. Yeah, I think the the art is adorably vicious, and uh, and I think I remember correctly now that you've mentioned that about the asymmet- the the asymmetry. I think you're starting kind of on the same level, but as you continue to grow and collect and do things, you're building your faction becomes more. I want to say um, asymmetric as you go. So, yep, sounds exciting. That is arcs. All right. Well, let's talk about a couple. We'll do this really quick. Some honorable mentions. Um, I've got a bunch. I got to be honest. Um, in in some of these are ones that we may have, um, oh no, I don't think so. I, I'm just going to run through these really fast. Hero Realms Dungeons, which is a, uh, uh, from my understanding, kind of a campaign-esque thing that you can go through. It has solo options on there. I really like Hero Realms a lot, but I actually don't own anything for that. And so um, I'm intrigued to, to check that one out. Mordred, which is the one that I went back and forth on backing. I really wanted to because it was a follow-up to like the Blood Rage and in those games, it seemed like, but it also was not Eric Lang designer, so I didn't do it. Slay the Spire is a really fun digital deck builder. If you've not played, you don't play digital games. 
you don't. You no, should do not. Slay, Slay the Spire is really fun. This is Slay the Spire, the board game. And so I'm interested to check that out. Seventh Citadel, which is a uh, game by the team of Seventh Continent and um, kind of a follow-up to that. Interested in that one. Flow, that looks amazing. Um, I, I don't know. I'm wanting to say that you may have had that on one of your... Uh, uh, it, uh, it wasn't on your list, but it may have been on your honorable mention list if I remember right. But this has Andrew Bosley art as well. It's by the designer from Parks. And uh, that designer also has uh, Defenders of the Wild coming out this next year, which looks cool. Two more. Luthier, Luthier, uh, which is uh, a game where you are making instruments. And I just, I love the look of this one. The theme really did it for me. And then it's also by the designer of Distilled, which is cool. I've not played Distilled, but I hear great things. And then finally, Donut Shop, which is by um, Jeffrey uh, Allers, I believe is the, I think that's right, is the designer of this one. Just looks cool. I don't know a whole lot about this one, but I like the theme, like the designers. So that is my honorable mention list. Yeah, no, that, those are those are all good. And yes, I did have flow on my honorable mention list as well. And and that's a Pika game, which is kind of the the lighter uh, side, the family side of Fantasia games, which even adds to the desire to play that one and, and see that one. Even though it's, I want to say it's got a three point weight on um, on BGG right now, which may sound a little heavy wow. for what's okay. supposed to be a family weight uh, division. But hey, you know whatever. Some some others I have on there are and this is one that I was shocked you didn't have on your list, but it's probably because you didn't get past page eight. But all aboard, th- this is a Devere game where you're trying to save as many animals as you can by loading them onto boats. Uh, the the art of this one, listening to them talk about it, it says you must get your gang of animals to safety in different boats, but be careful not to exceed their capacity, or else they will sink. And a fun card game played as a couple or in groups up to five players from seven years old and games lasting about 20 minutes. So it just sounds like a really fun, light family game from Devere. Could be cool. It, it's cool looking. I like the look of it. Uh, you already mentioned Kathmandu, which was uh, part of the, the Queen City Games collection. And again, this was, I, I'm not a huge Queen's Game City collection fan, but Kathmandu is one that just sounds interesting to me, you've got, you know, dice rolling and you're racing. You're trying to find uh, the city of Kathmandu, but there's a storm coming and you're trying to get there before the storm hits. You're visiting temples and trading goods and discovering landscapes and actually drawing, like sketching some of the animals that, that live in the area. What all that looks like, I don't know, but it sounds interesting for a uh, for a Euro game. You're mentioning theme and, and, and Feld games. Uh, good on them if they can pull it off in Civilution, but I think Kathmandu may... At least it sounds like that sweet spot for me in this. But again, the problem is going to be it's going to be a Queen City collection game. So it's going to be a million dollars costing. It won't raise that much. It's going to cost that much, people. Uh, some others I'm curious about. The, the Meadow Adventure Book expansion. Meadow is a great uh, is a great little game. And bringing an adventure book storytelling legacy style uh, element to this awesome nature-y themed um, card game sounds exciting. Marvel Champions, the card game, has a new expansion coming out, Age of Apocalypse. I think this is the last part of their uh, X-Force uh, series in the, in the game, at least for right now. World of Wonders has an expansion coming out, the Mundo Wonders Pack, which is going to have nine new monuments and a new gameplay mode that I'm kind of pumped about. Uh, in the footsteps of Marie Curie, 
Uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, after something after Gen Con, one of the review copies we picked up from Sorry We Are French was uh, in the footsteps of Darwin, which is a fun, you know, great family weight game in the footsteps of Marie Curie. It sounds exciting as well. And then lastly, this has no title whatsoever that I know of. This is from Shadowborn Games. These are the people that did Oathsworn. And sometime this year, potentially, they have an Arthurian area control game that's supposed to come out. That's all I know. But with my disappointment in Arthurian games here lately, just the fact that someone who's done Oathsworn and got a lot of really good positive buzz for that is now considering doing an Arthurian game, I'm kind of intrigued. But yeah, that's my honorable mentions. That's I want to check that one out. The Oathsworn is one that I've not played, but I hear so many good things about that one. And something set in that setting, the Arthurian uh, legend setting, is, ooh, yeah, that sounds really cool. I'd like to check that one out. Well, those are great picks, Dean and Darren. You did a great job. <laughs> Pat ourselves on we the back. We will see, inevitably, there's going to be a bazillion more games that are going to be announced, especially during con season once you get into the summer and and late spring and summer lots of new stuff that will be announced so we're anticipating what's going to be announced so who knows how much this list will change between now and the end of the year but we are very excited to see what is in store for board games in 2024 if you enjoy meeple town please subscribe to us on YouTube, but also on your whatever you listen to podcast on, please subscribe to us so you can hear all of our content that comes out every week and never get bored because we have so much stuff that's coming out. You can connect with us on social media through all of those Instagram and X and Facebook at Meepletown Games. Go to the guild on Board Game Geek boardgamegeek.com guild number 3407 and our discord is where a lot of the cool conversation is going on but until next time thanks for coming down to meeple town later so you know dean my dad gave up smoking cold turkey for new year's he's still coughing up feathers <laughs>